The readings are very clear today, that we should be ready to give up everything so that we may attain the eternal reward. Everything here on earth is fleeting. Absolutely nothing lasts. We shouldn't exchange the perfect, eternal, and unchanging for the imperfect and corrupt and ever-changing. How easy that is to accept in theory, but how hard it is to practice. How many of us have had family members or friends stop talking to us or distance themselves because of our beliefs? Some of us have lost children, siblings, parents, or romantic relationships because of our faith. And what do we do with that pain? Do we live in it? Do we blame God that he just isn't following our plan and that if he loved us enough, he would just make the person that we care about love him like we love him? Maybe we get inspired by the example of St. Monica, citing her prayers for 30 years for the conversion of her son. But then after a few days and nothing happens, we fall back into anxiety and despair. We cannot cling to the things of the world. We need to be always thinking of the afterlife and the glories that abound. He is unworthy of Christ, who does not take up his cross, in which we suffer with him, die with him, are buried and rise again with him, and follow his Lord, proposing to live in newness of spirit in the sacraments of faith. That was by a bishop from the third century. If our dying and taking up the cross now is choosing, or sorry, what if our dying and taking up the cross now is choosing to be loving in the midst of a situation that we feel powerless to affect? What if the prayer most pleasing to the Lord is the anxiety we feel over the concern of our loved ones who do not yet believe? It says in the gospel that he who receives a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. That sounds pretty great at first, until we remember that the prophets are often misunderstood, exiled, and killed because they dared to stand in defiance of the king or of the crowd and speak the truth of God. Not a subjective truth that changes with the dec decades, but the eternal truth of salvation and of righteous living based in and on the Ten Commandments. I feel like the situation that we currently live in today could be called the Pontius Pilate era. Quid est veritas, Pilate asked Jesus during his trial. What is truth? This is the question that I think plagues so much of humanity. We want to know, is there truth? And if there is, how can we know it? And how do we know that what we think is the truth is the actual objective truth? Is there even objective truth? And let's define the terms, too, while we're at it. Because objective truth means the truth that is always and everywhere true, no matter what. It does not change with time or circumstances. It is always existing and everywhere universal. One of the phrases that I despise most in life in the last few years is the one that says, Speak your truth. What absolute garbage that phrase is. Speaking your truth means nothing. Truth is truth. Truth is not dependent on you or me or anything. By its nature and essence, it is true or it isn't. 
And if part of it is not true, then none of it is true. So now we come back to the question of faith. If this faith that we profess in Jesus Christ, this faith that says he was truly God and truly man, the truth that he came to the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit, was born of the Virgin Mary, endured his passion on the cross, which was the greatest expression of love in humanity, and in doing so instituted the sacrifice of the Eucharist, died and was risen from the grave, seen by his disciples for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came down on the 50th day at Pentecost. If we believe this, then we should be willing to do everything and anything for it. But if just one part of what I just stated is not true, then none of it is true. Soon-to-be Saint Dorothy Day is famous for saying, if it isn't true, then to hell with it. And she is absolutely right. If even one part of this is not true, then none of it's true, and we are all most foolish for following it. But if it is true, if it has the truth of the eternal, if it is always and objectively true that at some point during history, sin entered into our humanity, and because of that, God offered to us the cure by sending his only son to be crucified for us and to be both priest and victim to make reparation for our sinfulness. If that is true, then we need to live in a way that professes that truth and lives that truth. And if all of it is true, then we need to be willing to give up everything to follow after that truth. Jesus says today that those who love mother or father or son or daughter more than God are not worthy of Christ. So, Tad, if you love Victoria more than Jesus, you're going to hell. Mom, if you love me more than Jesus, you're going to hell. You never heard a priest tell his mom he's going to hell before, have you? Anyway, I'm kidding. She's a very holy lady. But what does it mean? These are harsh words to digest. It can be very daunting to think if I love my wife or my husband or my son or daughter more than Christ, then I do not, I'm not worthy of Christ. He means that all of us are created sons and daughters of God. And while, yes, there are some relationships that we highly value and love more than others, we cannot let those relationships be more important than our relationship with God. When we prioritize things over our relationship with God, we lose our very salvation. So what do we do with this knowledge? Knowledge isn't helpful by itself. Practical and applicable knowledge is. So this week, practically speaking, we should take some time in prayer and just ask the Lord to reveal to us if there is something or someone, if there is anything at all that we prioritize above him. After all, it is the first commandment. And as one who hears confessions, I can tell you it's rarely confessed. Some of us already know what it is that we prioritize above Jesus. Others of us may be very surprised. But once we find out what it is, we should pray for him to give us the desire to want to give it up. We may, we may be so entrenched in a situation that we cannot begin to see our way out of it for many reasons. But Jesus knows how to best deal with that situation for us. So we give it over to him and ask him to give us the desire to not prioritize it over him. Being fully God and fully human, Jesus knows what it is like to desire things, to have likes and dislikes. 
Where we get into trouble is when we have things that we like that either become destructive or are objectively sinful in nature. So therefore, we bring him, when we bring him our problems and our struggles, Jesus knows exactly what it feels like inside of us to struggle with the thought of letting it go. And he loves the fact that we are even willing to bring it up to him. We need to be willing to be dead to the world, dead to sin, and alive in Christ alone. St. Paul tells us in the second reading today, you too must think of yourselves as dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. May the Lord give us a double portion of the Holy Spirit this week so that we may be enlightened to know what it is that we prize before him and be willing to give it over to him if he asks of us.